In this episode, I answer a patron's question about how to help their live-in adult grandchild. I'm hoping this helps you to learn some new parenting ideas and boundaries, no matter the age of the child in your home. My name is Justin Sinceri. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist that thinks the world needs a new paradigm for mental health. Welcome to Stuck Not Broken. As always, please put yourself first. This one in particular, I don't think should be super triggering. I can't identify anything in here that would be a problem. Um, but, you know, just based on the stuff we go into here, keep, you know, put yourself first and take a break if you need to. This podcast is not therapy, nor is it intended to be a replacement for therapy. This is a message I got from a patron, by the way, $5 a month gets you a whole other podcast with, I mean, hours and hours and hours of episodes and, and most of them mini episodes. And if you are a patron, you do get priority responses on your questions. This is from a patron. I will name this person Mark. Why? I don't know, but I am. So hello, Justin, Mark says, I would like to know how to set compassionate yet firm boundaries for my 18-year-old grandchild who's living with my wife and I. My grandchild has a history of defiant behaviors like impulsivity, ignoring structure and expectations in the home, drinking alcohol, and using our stuff without our permission. So I am Mark. I'm going to cut Mark off here. There's there's more to it, but I'm going to go piece by piece. I am not one of those therapists. Oh, and by the way, I'm going to respond to this very generally. This is not specifically to Mark. This is not life advice. I'm not telling him what to do. I'm going to share my thoughts in a very general way. So first off, I am not one of those therapists that thinks no consequences is a good idea. There are always consequences. And I'm okay with differentiating between consequences and punishment. Uh, Punishment is maybe more arbitrary, based in anger. we, We can differentiate that, I suppose. But I'm just talking about consequences. No matter what you do, it's going to have an effect on someone else and they're going to respond the way they respond. And that that's a consequence. I think that consequences are appropriate when they're used consistently and predictably. So as parents, if we have a behavior that is, you know, off limits, zero tolerance, we will not put up with that in our home, that this is how I'm going to respond to it. If you choose to do that behavior, having clear consequences for a clear behavior is ideal. I think it's a really good idea. It can't come out of anger, though. Uh, I think for me, consequences is more about setting a clear boundary, a clear expectation, and a clear understanding of this is, in my home, this is intolerable. And I am the parent of the home, and that's just the way it is. I think that consequences and love can happen at the same time. I think this builds respect. I think this builds definitely a sense of predictability. Not obedience. To me, consequences are not about obedience. It recognizes, I mean, myself as a parent, and what I recommend is that you you recognize you do not control your child, no matter what their age is. Even the 18-year-olds, you don't control them. They do make their own choices. And it's up to us on our end of things as the adults in the home, as the parents, to define for them what we will and will not up with. So yeah, you make your own choices. And this is how I'm going to respond to your choices. I don't need you to obey me. But there are some choices that I will not tolerate. So if you continue to make those choices, this is what's going to happen. I don't see how it's different than any other relationship in your life. There are probably if you have a spouse or a partner or 
uh, just a relationship that you're in, they're, they're, whether it's a friendship or a romantic one, there's probably things you're not going to put up with. If you're an adult with parents still in your life who don't respect your boundaries, there's probably at some point a line that you will not put up with and you'll react in whatever way. That's a consequence. That's it. I don't know how that's different than uh, raising a child or an adult child and saying, this is what I am not okay with. This is what I will not put up with. And this is what is not okay in our home. So I'm not one of those therapists that thinks uh, no consequences is a good idea. They're always going to be there. If you, we can say it's not a punishment. Fine. I don't, I don't care about that. So it's really more about like, what is the boundary of appropriate behavior in our home? And all parents have to define that on their own. So it's not about anger. It's really about boundary setting. It's about expectations, positive expectations as well. And a clear, predictable structure of what to expect from the adults in the home. Consequences of love can happen at the same time. Teens thrive on this. Teens thrive on, and I think 18-year-olds as well, 19-year-olds as well. Maybe all of us. We thrive on teachers and mentors and people in our life that are firm but caring, that can empathize but also expect the best of us at the same time. I think those go together. I believe in you. I love you. I know you can do this. Yes, life is difficult. And I'm talking in general. I'm talking in general, very generally, yes. But this, this seems to be what kids thrive on. Teenagers in particular seem to really thrive on this. Let's say you have an adolescent, a teenager in your home who has a cell phone that you're paying for, that you bought for them in your home, that you pay for and is under your name. If they have a phone and they're using it for very inappropriate things, I hope there's a consequence for that. And the consequence is like, you're just not able to handle this. So you don't get it. Or you can have it with a whole bunch of oversight. And if you're a 16 year old that needs a parental lock on your phone, that's not on me as the parent. You put yourself in the situation and this is how I'm responding. That's a consequence. It's not about anger. It's not about control. It's about this is not acceptable for my home. And this is how I'm going to handle it. These are the choices that you made. And this is my response. I don't control you, but I do respond to what you do. You still make your own choices. But, you know, when it comes to the things that are under my name that I'm paying for, I'm sure as hell going to make my own choices as well. And if you want access to the stuff that I have, you kind of have to uh, earn it. You have to. Like, it's just if you want it. You don't have to. If you want this stuff, you have to earn it. that, That comes from love, in my opinion. I am not willing to watch my child self-destruct. I love them that much. I don't see the problem there when it, when it comes to consequences. This behavior led to this action. It's not blaming them. It's just saying like, if this happens in my home, no matter who it is, this is how I'm going to respond. If a friend of mine is staying the night and they're yelling and swearing at me, they have to leave. That is the consequence for their choice. I'm not saying kick your kids out of the home, but there are consequences in life. That's it. And it's not about anger. It's about healthy boundaries and what you will put up with or not. Consequences and self-development, I think they happen at the same time. I think as parents, being elastic is a really good idea. We don't want to control. We don't want to demand. We don't want to coerce exactly. 
So we'll, we, you know, there might be a lot of room for trust to be lost or gained. And there's a lot of room for our children to make mistakes. But when they do make those mistakes, we are going to step in. But we're going to give them a lot of, I, I, in my opinion, at least in my home, we give them a lot of leeway to earn or lose trust. And when they go too far, that's when we step in and we say, okay, you, you've proven that you cannot handle this and now I'm going to step in and this is how I'm going to respond to your choices. I think consequences help to build reliable expectations for healthy relationships in the future. When you mess up, you get cut off in some way or you lose something. That's, that's how it's going to be. I hope that's how it's going to be for my children when they grow up. I hope their friends do not put up with nonsense. I hope their friends would never put up with them uh, swearing at them. My wife and I do not put up with that. It hasn't happened either because that's a very clear boundary. But I sure as heck hope that their friends in the future would not put up. I hope their friends in the future have very clear boundaries for their other friends. So consequences to me are part of building healthy relationships for the future. Like when you act certain ways, people are going to be upset. They might be disappointed in you. And they're going to respond to that. Healthy friends, I hope, will not put up with your sh- I hope healthy friends will call you out and make your life more difficult by saying, kick rocks. Or, no, you can't hang out with us until you get your life in order. Knock it off. I hope my, my kids get those messages from their kids now, I don't, from their friends now, which I don't think 12-year-olds do and 6-year-olds do, but I really hope they get that message in the future. But in this situation here from Mark, this is not a kid exactly. I mean, it kind of is, but it also kind of isn't legally, I suppose, or an adult, at least in the United States. And this kind of mindset can be really challenging for parents in general, but maybe for, for grandparents in particular. Because grandparents are not supposed to be the people doing this. Grandparents, at least in my mind, my family, grandparents are for spoiling their kids sleepovers and fun and having ice cream for breakfast. So it's, it's a, it's a significant departure from probably what grandparents have in their mind of what their life is going to be like with their grandchildren. It's a much different relationship. Now they are still your grandchild and grandparent. Yeah. But it, it might be at odds with what you wanted for yourself at this point in your life. As I've done in, Parenting groups over the years, I see this a lot where parent where grandparents are stepping in to take over or provide reprieve for the, the parents. And a lot of times they say this was supposed to be temporary and now it's still going. And so that, that adjustment is a it's difficult. It can be very difficult. This is an adult though. I would encourage those of us in situations like this or those of people. Think of this like you would any other adult in your life. They are your family member, yeah. But they are an adult at the same time. What would you be willing to put up with regarding a friend or another family member, a coworker? What kind of behavior are you willing to put up with from them? And I would say, why would it be different than anybody else in your life, whether they are family or not? I think to me, like a healthy boundary is a healthy boundary. 
no matter what role you play in my life as far as family ties or friendship or coworker, there's some stuff I'm simply not okay with. I have too much self-respect to put up with your whatever it is. So if this person in your home was not your grandchild, and imagine they were doing this as someone else, would you be okay with your coworker drinking in your room and not going to work and stuff? Or a friend just hanging out, you know, in, in the room by themselves, drinking and not being a part of school, not being in at work, and basically living off your money. And if the answer is no, you know, uh, maybe that should apply to a grandchild as well, an adult grandchild. Family status is not a license to be treated differently, in my opinion. Let me repeat that. Family status is not a license to be treated differently. It doesn't You don't get to get away with stuff just because you're family. At least if you have consistent healthy boundaries amongst various people in your life. A certain behavior is wrong no matter who it's from. If that's your, if that's the, the boundary you're coming from. All of this builds something called fierce compassion, which is it's a phrase that I love that Mark uses later on. Fierce compassion. It's understanding and wanting to help. That's compassion. But fierce is being determined having strong, healthy expectations and boundaries. That's, to me, that's fierce compassion. So I want to help, but I'm not going to put up with whatever, you know, whatever the, the problem is. I understand where you're coming from. I love you. I want to support you. I'm here to help, but I won't do it for you. I think it's okay to want it more than that person wants it in that moment. I think they'll get there. They'll get there. You can want it more than them, but we can't be willing to sacrifice our own values. We can't be willing to sacrifice our own boundaries, in my opinion, our own positive expectations for people in our life. I don't think we need to be willing to sacrifice those, but we probably want change more than that other person, at least in that moment. If you have a question of your own that you kind of want my thoughts on before I continue on, Consider becoming a patron. It's only five bucks a month. You get an entire other podcast, hours and hours and hours of stuff. Original stuff, but also audio from IGTV or from YouTube videos. It's kind of this catch-all podcast audio source in fairly short doses. I mean, we're pretty, you know, we're talking like mini episodes, like five minutes, 10 minutes. Only five bucks a month. I'll have a link in the description to my Patreon. Plus, plus, plus. And the most fun for me is a monthly live stream where it's an open Q&A. I don't plan anything out. I'm not lecturing. It's, I'm not telling jokes. It's not a comedic routine. It's just Q&A where whoever shows up, and usually it's a pretty small groups, which I like. Whoever shows up can ask open questions, not about themselves, but just in general. And it's really fun to be able to talk about different things and get to know my patrons in a little bit different, a little bit of a different way. So yeah, patreon.com slash JustinLMFT. I'll put a link in the description here. So Mark continues and says, they've been considered the challenging child for most of their life. After living with them and their parents and watching the dynamics and understanding polyvagal theory better, thank you, he says in parentheses, I began to better understand how the family dynamics, especially their relationship with their mom, created a huge stress for them. 
My grandchild's mother admitted to being scared of my grandchild's rage and the intensity which they would resort to when they wanted something. She would accuse my grandchild of interrupting, of arguing, yelling, even though she was doing the same things with wide eyes. I now see my grandchild as being very misunderstood. They are a very sensitive and fragile person with low self-worth. And I, I like that, so this is Amina. I like that Mark can recognize that. That's a good thing. That's a positive overall. But that can be taken too far. So, in, again, in general, there is a potential pitfall here. So recognizing someone's political state, recognizing family dynamics, con- the context of things is important. It can be helpful. But it is also a potential pitfall of empathy versus compassion. Empathy is the feeling, like you can feel the feelings of another person. You can feel sorrow or grief or rage or whatever it is along with that other person. That, that's empathy. You can feel the feelings of another, but compassion is empathy. You can feel their feelings plus remain, retaining access to your own safety state and wanting to help. Mercedes and I did an episode on this. Ooh, it's been a long time. Maybe 30-something, episode 30-something. It's just called empathy versus compassion. So compassion is feeling empathy, but then retaining access to your safety state and wanting to help. Because if it's just empathy, that might mean that you're feeling their defensive energy, their, or your own version of their defensive energy, and you've lost access to your safety state. So you might have wide eyes and a flat facial affect, and you're giving off these danger cues without meaning to, but you're just kind of empathizing. You're feeling what they're feeling. That in and of itself is not extremely helpful. But having empathy and access to your own safety state, compassion can be very helpful. Otherwise, it's just empathy and you're sending danger cues potentially. So if you, if you just have empathy alone, that can get you wrapped up in these dynamics of their polyvagal state or their family dynamics, unhealthy boundaries, codependency. Having empathy alone can get you wrapped up in, especially if you can't tolerate it, can get you wrapped up in these other dynamics. Because it might become sympathy or pity for somebody. And that's not, I don't think it's super helpful. Compassion is needed because helping is a part of this. We have to have access to our safety state in order to help somebody else and to have fierce compassion. Somebody who has just empathy they might relieve their own entangled empathy, we'll call it, through enabling behaviors. This is called codependency. So they empathize, they can feel on some level what the other person's feeling, but they also have, kind of have their own distress around the situation, and there's this inability to tolerate either of these things. And that person may seek to relieve that discomfort through enabling behaviors. It might sound like, you know, I I know my grandchild had it rough, so drinking alone in the room where I can supervise them, that's allowable. So there's there's a justification there of, well, if I can supervise it, then that's okay. Or if I know where they are, then that's okay. And that person is sacrificing their values. They're sacrificing their positive expectations because they were not able to handle their empathy or sympathy or pity or whatever it is, they got wrapped up in it without their own compassion, without their own safety state. 
So the fierce compassion got lost. The, the, again, the context is important, but, but we want to notice how they are today. The past is important, but today in my home, this is what I expect out of you. And maybe it's not going to happen. I mean, we'll be realistic. Maybe that's not going to happen right away. Maybe they do need some time to shut down and come out of that. I, I get that. In general, though, we want to focus on today. And we want to focus on the fact that these feelings or behaviors are not permanent. They can get better. Stuck, not broken. Things like low self-worth, fragility, rage. These are not permanent. These can get better. And I think we, it's really important to maintain that mindset. We have to keep in mind how incredible that person will become. Or they already are. It's in there. But once they get more and more and more unstuck, they're going to be this incredible person. So we want, to, we want to focus on that. They've probably lost sight of that. We have to be the ones, the parents or the caretakers, the grandparents. We have to be the ones that keep that in mind and insist upon it. And, and not, not settle, not enable, not be a part of these more dysfunctional behavioral patterns. So we have to keep in mind how incredible they will become. And it's going to sound different rather than, well, they had it so rough. And, you know, at least I can supervise them if they're drinking alone in the room. No, instead it's going to sound like they had it rough and they can do better. I had better model for them appropriate behavior. I had better communicate to them success and love while also implementing consequences for behavior that is not acceptable for the values in my home. Having it rough is not a license to do whatever you want. In my opinion, having it rough does not mean you get to drink alone in your room. At least in my home. At least in my home. That may sound harsh, but, you know, parents who are paying the mortgage and signing off on things, paying for cell phones, driving kids around. Things may be rough. You may have had it rough. You may have had a bad day. That doesn't make it okay to break the house rules, to violate the family values. Knowing the polyvagal theory is great and the history of someone's present day behaviors, that's great. But ultimately, it's, it's context for understanding them. But today's behaviors are today's behaviors. In my opinion, today's behaviors are today's behaviors. So it's great to understand the con context, but we can't stay there. So I understand where you're coming from. I understand life's been rough. I do expect better out of you. That, that's the general idea. That doesn't mean you're like telling them, get out of bed right now, go get a job. But that is also kind of the mindset of, I understand you need some time to rest. I, need, I, know, I understand you need some time. You know, how much that is, what that looks like, I, I can't tell you. That's very case dependent. So I understand you have been through a lot. In my home, this is also what I expect out of you. I think it's really important to be very clear about that. I think coming out of a defensive state, we need predictability. We need support. We need someone rooting for us. And rooting for us can look like just being 
with us and being quiet and being still and doing some caretaking. Yeah, sure. That, that, absolutely. Mark goes on and says, they spent the majority of their time in their room on their phone, probably watching YouTube, what I consider shutdown. I am hopeful that being with my wife and I and not having the dysfunctional birth family dynamic, we can start to slowly build a foundation of healthy living conditions, of healthy living conditions and self-care, which I realize they need to be open to doing. They've been getting more exercise and are open to some physical affection from us. My wife and I are most concerned about how to set those boundaries with him using fierce compassion. Thank you for any thoughts and guidance on this. So that, that was Mark's use of fierce compassion. I love that phrase. And I think it's key. Love and intense positive expectations plus consequences for behavior plus open communication. I think there's a lot of pieces that come into situations like this. It's not just about consequences. It's also not just about expressing love. It's these different pieces that come together. And I think they all work together hand in hand. Shame is not a part of fierce compassion. Judgment is not a part of fierce compassion. Neither is lowering your expectations. That's not a part of fierce compassion. Enabling behaviors are not a part of fierce compassion. Codependency is not a part of that. But a strong sense of self is, and that's from us, the caretakers. We know who we are and what we expect and what's okay in our home. We have to have a strong sense of self in order to feel empathy for the other person with positive expectations, with compassion, with insisting on them being well. And that can look a lot of different ways. I know, don't get mad at me. But in general, insist on like, this is not okay. Drinking as a way to cope with our feelings is not a part of how we deal with stuff in this home. I, I will not put up with this. I will not enable this. And there will be, whatever it looks like, there will be consequences for these decisions. You can do better. I love you. You can't, I fully believe in you. You can do better. I will do whatever I can to support you. I will not watch you self-destruct though. There may be uh, daily expectations for, in situations like this where there's an adult in the home who is isolating or just on their phone all the time or coping through substance use, there may be some very clear expectations set up, set up about daily job hunting or doing work or school work or signing up for school. Like every day I expect you to do something around job hunting or getting back in school or doing schoolwork or, or whatever it is. Part of living my, in my home is that you will be um, doing these things towards your own self-improvement, your own self-growth. Success brings fulfillment and self-esteem and connections to the self, but also I think to others as well. Confidence comes through success, not through enabling behavior. Codependency does not help build someone's confidence. So I think it's important in situations like these for the grandparent to kind of keep that in mind. It's okay to want the best for them. Enabling 
or being okay with or lowering your standards is not going to help them get to where they need to be, where they can be, to be that incredible person that they will be. So in these situations, if we're expecting these adult children, these adults in the home, teens, or just adults who are hanging out and not really uh, living up to the fulfillment of their life, whatever, whatever that looks like. I don't think everyone has to be a CEO or, um, or an entrepreneur. I don't think everyone has to live the lavish life of a podcast host. <laughs> it looks different for every, everybody. Everyone has a different thing they can contribute to the world, but we all do have some level of fulfillment that we can achieve. And so hopefully with these people in our homes, we are recognizing like they're, they're not living up to what they can. And I will not be a part of them self-destructing. And this is how I'm going to handle it. While also being extremely loving and supportive and encouraging. Those things, I think, go hand in hand. Thank you so much for listening to this. I do hope you've learned something new to help you in your own parenting situations. If you like this episode, do me a favor, share it with someone that you think will benefit. And make sure if you're not already, just follow or subscribe on whatever podcast platform you listen to, or if it's on YouTube, and you'll get updated immediately every single week with every week's new episode. Thanks so much again. Bye. This podcast is not therapy, not intended to be therapy or be a replacement for therapy. Nothing in this creates or indicates a therapeutic relationship. Please consult with your therapist or seek for one in your area if you are experiencing mental health symptoms. Nothing in this podcast should be construed to be specific life advice. It's for educational and entertainment purposes only. More resources are available in the description of this episode and in the footer of justinlmft.com.